It's the Americhips with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. It's almost unbelievable that Trump has extricated the U.S. from the Iran nuclear deal. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks. Dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. Welcome to the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Be sure and check out my website, americhicks.com. Sign up for my emails and I'll keep you apprised of all the upcoming guests, topics, and important events. I am the Americhicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. Be sure and follow me, like me, and offering you a conservatarian perspective. And thank you to my team, producer Steve, Keith Peterson, handling all the SoundCloud uh, things for me, Zach Trimble, web and social media, and Patty Kurgan, researcher. This is a, a great team that we are building here, and thanks to each and every one of them. We have a big show planned for you today. Uh, first segment, we're going to go through some uh, headlines. Uh, we still have at least a month, Steve. Uh, down at the state house, and it is unbelievable. Uh, just uh, yesterday, last night, Casey Becker uh, from Boulder, a legislator from Boulder, uh, uh, introduced House Bill 191261, which is a climate change bill. And uh, it, it's just astounding what's going on down there. As you know, there's all this effort to permanently end the Taxpayer Bill of Rights Tabor. Uh, and uh, there was a recent Forbes article by Patrick Gleason where it's basically saying Bernie Sanders' agenda, the agenda of the radical progressive left, and the Colorado legislature have a lot in common. Uh, his uh, article is uh, titled, With the Colorado Government Run by Boulder Democrats, Progressives Push Their Agenda in Denver. A uh, second segment, we'll be talking with Amy Everett and uh, Evie Zor. And uh, when we wonder what's going on, what can we do about this, you know, prayer is so important. So they are working with this One Church Initiative, which is encouraging churches to to take some time, put together teams to pray for Colorado. Uh, we are at the tip of the spear, my friends, and prayer is so important. Many of you may remember that that famous painting of George Washington kneeling by his horse, uh, praying. And we need to certainly pray about what's going on in Colorado. In the third and fourth segment, we'll talk with Stephen Kessler. You know, he received his doctorate in higher education from the University of Rochester. And in that process, he became a staunch, staunch conservative. And we'll talk with him. He's a millennial. We'll talk with him about the Electoral College. But, Steve, before we jump in here, first of all, I've been just on a real uh, Abraham Lincoln uh, kick. And uh, one of his, his great quotes is, the best way to, pre to predict your future is to create it. Again, Abraham Lincoln, the best way to predict your future is to create that. And so one of the things we need to do is make sure that we know why we believe what we believe. And uh, very excited about our event on Monday, March 25th, Vino and Veritas Centennial. Uh, I'm partnering with Dr. Tom Cranwitter and his team, Jen Hewlin, uh, owner of Water's Edge Winery, and bringing you the first Vino and Veritas. Our second Vino and Veritas will open on March 31st down in Castle Rock. We're partnering with Maria, owner of the Colorado Cork and Keg there. 
And uh, so be sure and, and go to americhicks.com forward slash Kim and let me know if you are interested in signing up for uh, Vino and Veritas Castle Rock um, because Dr. Cranawitter is creating a fascinating lecture series on the Federalist Papers. And we need to know why we believe what we believe, and then we need to be able to engage with friends, family, and colleagues in these conversations about uh, the important foundations of, of what founded America and the American idea. So for Vino and Veritas Cal- or excuse me, Centennial, our January sponsor was Harmony Ridge Construction, Rafe Patton and his team building homes and usually making friends in the process. February's presenting sponsor is Susan Kochevar, owner of the historic 88 Drive-In Theater, and she's planning to open April 5th with the movie Shazam. And March's presenting sponsor is Heidi Canal and her Freed to Be Coalition, promoting free speech and diversity of thought. And if you'd like to be a, a presenting sponsor, just let me know. Go to americhicks.com forward slash Kim and just fill out the form. And speaking of uh, promoting free speech and diversity of thought, Steve, yesterday President Trump signed uh, an order uh, to support free speech, which is astounding to me that we need to even be talking about this in America today. Yes, it's, uh, I'm, you know, I'm very glad that he did what he had done, but the question is, why would we need this in this day and age? <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's always it, with, with this country in the last 30, 25, 30 years, it's always been one step forward, two steps back. And, and well, and, you know, we've talked a little bit about that. And that is, you know, Reagan had said, if you're my friend, 80 percent of the time, you're my friend. Um, but what has happened is we've given up 20 percent here. We've given up 20 percent here. We've given up 20 percent here. And, and you know what you have now is Colorado. Uh, and and it's just astounding what's going on. Before we do that, though, a little levity. You know, I've been I've just been on a, a an Abraham Lincoln a kick this week. And Lincoln had such a deprecating sense of humor, but he had a sense of humor uh, that, um, you know, I don't think a lot of people realize. So this was a story that was published by James Grant Wilson. He was a soldier and he became a publisher. And he said, President Abraham Lincoln told a story of a Southern Illinois preacher who in the course of his sermon asserted that the Savior, Christ, was the only perfect man who had ever appeared in this world. And also that there was no record in the Bible or elsewhere of any perfect woman having lived upon the earth. Whereupon there arose at the rear of a church, the church, a persecuted looking personage who the parson having stopped speaking said, I know a perfect woman and I've heard of her every day for the last six years. Who was she? asked the minister. My husband's first wife, replied the afflicted female. <laughs> so Lincoln, I actually have a book that I had gotten when I was back oh, I was back in New York and I found it. It's a whole bunch of Lincoln quips. So I'm gonna try to continue to get some of those great stories so that you can understand his sense of humor. Uh, but there's uh, some things not to laugh about, and uh, the first one is this climate change bill that was introduced last night, and uh, it is, here we go, Colorado House Speaker Casey Becker uh, wants the state to take the lead on addressing climate change. This is in, in a Denver Post article. She said last night on Thursday evening, she introduced a bill that seeks to reduce greenhouse gas emissions to 2005 levels 
and empowers the state's Air Quality Control Commission to establish regulations for public utility companies as well as the oil and gas sector. Steve, this wants to take us back to 2005. Just think about how many people were living in Colorado in 2005, first of all. And second of all, this puts all of this in the hands of a, uh, of a uh, bureau of bureaucrats. And so if 181 wasn't enough, Senate Bill 181, which basically uh, will probably shut down most oil and gas development here in Colorado, this then piles on. It is absolutely astounding. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we, the two of them together, <laughs> as it, what's going to happen with the oil and gas industry? They will go elsewhere. And we have seen this before. I, you know, I was new enough to the state back in the '80s, but people would tell me, uh, you know, through a, a church that I was a member of, is that, oh, our membership was was so much greater just a few years ago. But so many people left for Oklahoma and Texas because the industry basically backed out of the state. And are we setting well, it, ourselves up for another for a repeat? Uh- Oh, most definitely. It says, according to Becker's office, the bill will require carbon pollution to be reduced by at least 25% by 2026, 50% by 2030, and 90% by 2050, compared to 2005 levels. The bill contains no new fees for pollution, she says. And she says states are really leading on their own because there's no national policy here. Um, one of the largest companies that would face these regulations is XL Energy. Now, this is the company where we, you know, turn on our lights, our heat. Um, I mean, it is absolutely astounding to me what is going to happen to this state. And, you know, Steve, they talk about education and how important education funding is. But I don't think they really give a rip about that because the oil and ga- gas industry has contributed over $600 million to education. So they, you know, they're talking out of both sides of their mouth. They don't really care about our kids. They don't really care about education. They don't really care about everyday hardworking people being able to, you know, get in the vehicle of their choice and go to work and, and take their kids to soccer practice. And, and for the everyday hardworking person to be able to thrive and prosper without government assistance. What's, what's going to happen, Steve, is we're going to have the haves and the have-nots. And we will no longer have that vibrant middle class, which is so unique to the American idea. It's, I just don't understand. Uh, I think it's all about power, Steve. That's what I think. All right. Now, you, you said it, and I'm going to jump on it. I, I believe I said er, earlier this week that Monday, I, the, for the first time, I watched the video um, Rocky Mountain Heist. And I've been under a cloud ever since because of the content of that video is essentially a breakdown of the engineering of government, uh, you know, it, to the Democratic side of, or Democrat side of the spectrum. And I was sitting there yesterday pondering. I said, you know, people in the country are, you know, we wonder why, how, how in the world could we elect Donald Trump? And the basic compound of all this is that people are fed up thinking back 25, 30 years of a government, both federal and state now, who is working for, for whatever reason, but, you know, we're still waiting for them to do something good for the people of the country, the people of the state, instead of just finding more ways to engineer and ensure their power struggle. Well, and, and this goes to the other thing, and that is the national popular vote. 
Um, and, and we see all kinds of potential cheating on that. Uh, state of Pennsylvania had over 11,000 uh, non-citizens registered to vote, although I think that that's going to be one of the things <clears throat> that we are going to see come down the pike here, possibly. within. We still have a month of this legislative session, and then we've got all next year with these, with these um, I'm not going to call them leaders. I'm going to call them politicians, power-hungry politicians. They're, they're radical, progressive activists. And we have another whole session with them as well. I can't, I, I'm sure there's a whole bunch more coming down the pike, but I can't imagine what it's going to be. But they are going to be working diligently to put in place, I think, um, legislation where uh, non-citizens, illegal aliens uh, can vote. And they are doing everything. They're pulling all stops out. They're looking towards 2020. Because if, if Donald Trump is elected again and his economy is able to really take hold, then uh, this whole agenda that they've been working on for all these years is out the door. And so you may not love what he says. I Sometimes I wish he wouldn't say some of the stuff that he says. However, if you look at the policies of what he is doing and how he, I think he has a love for everyday, hardworking Americans, no matter what your descriptor is, man, woman, black, Hispanic, gay, straight, you know, as that tide lifts, it lifts all these boats. And if if that really takes hold, then this agenda that they have been pushing for so long is out the door. But we here in Colorado need to know why we believe what we believe. We need to engage with our friends and our families, uh, members and our neighbors and, and say, you know, did you know? This is going on, and, and just let people know how important this battle of ideas is. And uh, so, again, Vino and Veritas is uh, Monday at uh, Water's Edge Winery, and uh, then we're opening the one in Castle Rock. So email me at americhicks.com forward slash Kim, and we're kicking around the idea of getting one started up in northern Colorado as well. So before we go to break and talk to Evie and uh, Amy, and then, of course, Steve Kessler, March Madness is underway, and it's KU all the way with me, Rock Chalk Jayhawk, and Hooters Restaurants is my sports headquarters. Plus, the Nuggets are bringing it on, and then we've got the Avs. Major League Baseball starts at the end of the month, and Hooters is the place to watch all the games. And Wednesday is Wing Day. All the wings you can eat for $14.99, so be sure and try their new smoked wings. They are delectable and only half the calories. And Hooters wings can fly. You can actually have them delivered right to your front doorstep. When I have the girls over on Wednesday nights, I order Hooters new smoked wings, and the girls love them. They're delish, only half the calories. So order your Hooters wings to go or have them delivered right to your front door. More information, visit HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com, and let them know that you know the Americhicks. So we will be right back uh, talking with Evie Zur and Amy Everett about prayer. We need to pray for our state. We need to pray for our country. And then we'll talk to Stephen Kessler about the Electoral College. We'll be right back. All AmeriChick sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. Work with mortgage professionals who will give you quick and accurate financial advice. Home Mortgage Alliance has the knowledge and expertise to explore the many financial options available to you. The mortgage process can be stressful, and as interest rates rise, it's more important than ever to get pre-qualified now so you're ready to buy. 
Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance to make sure that you're making the right financial choice for you and your family. 303-888-2732. Kim and Mark will remain available to you 24-7 to help you through the process. Choose the only mortgage professionals recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Call Kim and Mark with Home Mortgage Alliance today. 303-888-2732. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. As a Colorado representative to the National Board of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where I dissect the issues, the latest news, politics, and opinion is right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's just have a conversation. Be sure and check out my website, AmeriChicks.com. Sign up for my emails. I will keep you apprised of all the upcoming guests, topics, important events, and I am the Americhicks on Facebook and Twitter as well, offering you a conservatarian perspective. I know that many times our hearts feel troubled with uh, what we see coming down the pike, both here in Colorado, uh, Virginia, just uh, within the last few days regarding their abortion bill, where they actually have said that, that after the baby is born, the baby could actually be killed. Uh, it, it's astounding. New York, uh, they just uh, said that there can be abortions up until basically delivery. And they lit up one of the big buildings uh, there in New York City in pink. Uh, Steve, I, I have to say the thing that gives me heart is the veil is off. We now know what the agenda is. There's no hiding behind the, the mother's uh, life or whatever. The veil is off. We know what the battle is now. You know, where did their bravado come from? And the only thing I can draw it back to is the the new House of Representatives in terms of, you know, going over the Democratic control now. So Democrat, we're going to only say Democrat because they're not Democratic. They're uh, Democrat. Thank you, know? you for okay. that correction. <laughs> but uh, again, you know, it, it's popping out in many places now. And you, you, know, you want to look for the common denominator. And that's the only thing I can think of right now. You know, I, I think you're probably right on that. And, and so we have Amy Everett on the line with us. And she is uh, with One Church Initiative. And uh, we need to get church and prayer involved in all, cover this on what's going on in America. So Amy Everett, welcome to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. And we also have Evelyn Zur on the line as well, who's involved with this One Church Initiative. So Amy, let's go to you first. Tell us what this is all about. Thank you, Kim. I appreciate the time uh, and appreciate your show. Uh, the vision for the One Church Initiative is to see every Colorado community so saturated with God's presence um, that the atmosphere shifts and that everything comes into alignment with His purposes at, you know, on a, as earth as it, as it is in heaven, as it says in Matthew 6.10. Um, just like the Moravians did, where we're calling the Church of Colorado to a wall of day and night prayer where God fights for us. Um, that's based on Nehemiah 420, where he sounded the trumpet and uh, basically said, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, come to the wall where God 
will fight for us. And that's what we're believing, that uh, when we have every city, every county in Colorado covered in nonstop day and night prayer, our God will fight for us, where we in the natural haven't been able to accomplish everything that we've set our, our mind to accomplish, when we set our spirit to accomplish what God wants done, we're believing that the atmosphere in Colorado will shift to a righteous atmosphere where, uh, where God's kingdom is advanced and his truths prevail. Okay, well, you know, prayer is so powerful. Uh, let's go to Evie, and then I, I want to make sure that everyone has heard about the Black Robe Regiment back in the Revolutionary War. But Evie Zur, you you are a woman. You're a very inspirational woman. You have a heart for passing on something good to the next generation, and you have been tireless uh, with you. You share your home. Uh, you are at, at events. You put your money where your mouth is. Uh, truly, I think that you are a modern-day patriot, and you've become very involved in this One Church Initiative. Why, Evie? Well, I, thank you, Kim. I am so excited uh, to be the cheerleader for this power engine of a woman, Amy Everett, because she has got she's spearheading the exact recipe for taking our state back. And listen, after after being down at the Capitol yesterday and testifying against this awful sex education bill we we need more than ever we need the type of of uh, prayer and the type of organization that amy has put together and i have committed myself completely to making uh her organization of a wall of prayer for colorado 24 7 we want to go state right every single county praying for our state because, um, as Amy said, uh, when we enlist the help of the Holy Spirit, we get the competitive edge. We get, we get the Holy Spirit working and helping us fight. And there's nobody that's worked harder than I have in this last election. Many people did. And uh, as Amy said, in the natural, we're not cutting it. We need help from above. So I am 100% behind Amy, and I'm going to do everything in my power to make her organization uh, shine. Well, uh, Amy, I'll tell you that uh, you get Evie Zur on your side, and, and who knows what's going to happen. That's pretty awesome. Very quickly, uh, I'm sure you probably both are familiar with the story of the Black Robe Regiment. Uh, but it was with Reverend Peter Mullenberg. And if I can just very quickly tell this story, it was a Sunday morning early in the year, 1776. Uh, this is from blackrobereg.org. And uh, so very early on a Sunday morning in 1776, in the church where Pastor Mullenberg preached, it was a regular service for his congregation, but qu- a quite different affair from Mullenberg himself. Mullenberg's text for the day was Ecclesiastes 3, where it explains to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted. Coming to the end of his sermon, uh, Peter Mullenberg turned to his congregation and said, in the language of the Holy Writ, there is a time for all things, a time to preach and a time to pray. But those times have passed away. 
And as those assembled looked on, Pastor Mullenberg declared there is a time to fight, and that time is now coming. Mullenberg then proceeded to remove his robes and uh, revealing to the shock of the congregation a military uniform. Marching to the back of the church, he declared, who among you is with me? And on that day, 300 men from his church stood up and joined Peter Mullenberg. They eventually became the 8th Virginia Brigade fighting for liberty. I heard that story. I'd never heard it before. I was at a church down in Colorado Springs. Uh, It was on the 4th of July. And it really touched my heart. It reminds me of what you two women are doing. So, Amy, we're just about out of time. Uh, Evie, let's go to you first. Final thought. Amy, then your final thought. And how can people become involved? So, Evie, you first. Okay, well, I'd like to get some stuff on your uh, on your website, the KLC 560 website or or Facebook page, so that people know where to go for the One Church Initiative. Uh, Amy, you go ahead and talk now. So the the best thing that people can do, and, and the appeal is, help us build this wall. Help us sound the trumpet. Uh, the Nehemiah 420 trumpet, to engage people on this spiritual wall of prayer. Um, and it is, it is likened to becoming the army of the Lord uh, by uh, an army on your knees. So we encourage you to go to the website. It's onechurchinitiative.org. That's the number one, the word church, the word initiative.org. Um, and uh, you can download a flyer from there to give to your pastor. Uh, I encourage you to offer to be the prayer coordinator for your church, to organize the One Church Initiative Prayer Watch for your church. Uh, It's one day a month that each church hosts a prayer watch, and uh, it becomes a sustainable wall of prayer when each church hosts one prayer watch a month. Uh, It's not a burden on anybody because they're not trying to host nonstop 24 by 7 in their church. It's one 24-hour prayer watch a month, and with 40, uh, 35 to 40 churches participating in each county, the entire county will be covered in nonstop day and night prayer. And in those counties where there's not, uh, not 35 or 40 churches, then each church takes two prayer watches a month, and it'll only take uh, 10 to 15 churches to cover the county in nonstop day and night prayer. So we encourage you to go to onechurchinitiative.org and download the flyer and invite your pastor to take their place on the prayer wall, or invite your prayer group, or invite your Bible study, or invite a regional prayer group to take a prayer watch in the One Church Initiative. Okay, well, Amy Everett and Evie Zur, thank you for your good work on this. And again, that's the number one, then churchinitiative.org. And uh, I, I think you're really on to something, so thank you so much. Thank you. God bless you. Okay, God bless you as well. Hey, Jason McBride with Presidential Wealth Management. Many times when a market's going up, people think they're brilliant. What do you think about that? Well, there was an author, Humphrey Neal, who wrote The Art of Contrarian Thinking. He was also a trader and market, uh, uh, I don't know what the word was, one of the old day guys, uh, shyster, you might say. But he was very smart, and one of my favorite quotes came from him, and it's, don't confuse brains with a bull market. And that does tend to happen as the markets go higher and higher. Uh, we, as, as people, want to attribute all the good things that are happening 
to the decisions we made. And then when things go bad, we want to say something else happened to cause that. So, yeah, I've noticed that over the years that the higher the market goes, uh, the higher people's uh, intelligence goes as well, (laughs) at least in their opinion. I think it's just smart to realize that a lot of the success you see, uh, a rising tide will lift all boats. And when that tide goes out, you're going to find out who isn't wearing any pants. Well, and so if you want to make sure that you have your pants covered, (laughs) you should probably talk with Jason McBride at Presidential Wealth Management. You guys can certainly give another set of eyes on a nest egg uh, and prepare for those times because markets do go up. They do go down. I know people, it's kind of human nature to think you're brilliant when the market goes up, but it hurts when it goes down. And so you need to prepare for that as well. I think you do. And having a good plan in place, uh, understanding what could happen in the worst of times, And being able to accept that is very important up front rather than trying to deal with it when it actually happens, and then you're kind of scrambling and panicked. Well, that's for sure. So if people would like to have another set of eyes, take a look at their plan, be sure and check out Jason McBride at chickspresidential.com. That's chickspresidential.com. The phone number over there is 303-694-1600, 303-694-1600. And uh, certainly let them know that you know the AmeriChicks. Thanks so much, Jason. You bet, Kim. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and AmeriChick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best with well-priced, made-to-measure clothes that fit a busy lady's lifestyle. Gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at AmeriChicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Social media is important to the AmeriChicks since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Back to the AmeriChicks. I'm Kim Munson, and we are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Be sure and check out our website, AmeriChicks.com, and sign up for our emails. We'll keep you apprised of upcoming guests, topics, and important events. And we are the AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. We offer a conservatarian perspective. Thrilled to have in studio with us Stephen Kessler. He has his doctorate in higher education from the University of Rochester, a number of published pieces that you can find at the com. That's the com. That's V-O-E-G-E-L-I-N-View.com. Check me out on LinkedIn, Stephen, S-T-E-V-E-N, Kessler, K-E-S-S-L-E-R. Okay, well, welcome, Stephen. And we're going to jump into something that is near and dear to your heart and is very important for our constitutional republic, and that is the Electoral College. There has been a movement on college campuses uh, among elites to get rid of the Electoral College. And we have seen, I think there's legislation that's been introduced at the national level. Sure. So apparently on CNN.com, it says that Representative Steve Cohen, a Democrat out of Tennessee, is 
congressman proposes eliminating eliminating electoral college, preventing presidents from pardoning themselves. Interesting. And then I think here in Colorado, the scuttlebutt is is that there's going to be a movement here in Colorado to move uh, the decisions to a popular vote instead of electoral college. So this is really trying to um, gain speed. Yeah, gain speed. You're concerned. Why? All right. So here's the deal. The liberals and conservatives have very different beliefs on human nature. Liberals believe we were naturally good, but corrupted by society. Conservatives believe in an ethical dualism. The angel on this shoulder and the devil on this one. That within man, there are unruly passions and appetites that necessitate restraint. For when the restraints on man's passions and appetites are removed, they run amok. And that's the quintessential conservative value. That That's the essence of conservatism right there. So... What's going on right now is that I don't know how he does it, but there is something about Trump where he is an expert, world-class button pusher. That there is something about (laughs) Donald Trump that infuriates the liberals like nothing else. And so what happened is Hillary won the more or less won the popular vote, but Trump won the electoral vote. And so what they're trying to do right now is alter the system for their temporary gains for their Trump problem. So I'm going to read a quote from Edmund Burke, the original conservative and a true genius who speaks to my heart. There's just something about Burke that I love. Wise men will apply their remedies to vices, not to names, to the causes of evil which are permanent, not to the occasional organs by which they act, and the transitory modes in which they appear. What he's getting at is that we don't want to cut off our nose to spite our face, that Trump is a short-term, temporary problem. Let's not make long-term, permanent solutions for him. But the Electoral College is difficult for people to understand. And because people have difficulty understanding it, or maybe they've never been taught, the reason that the founders made sure that we had that was they were trying to... Temper the passions and appetites of man. So protect... Protect us against the tyranny of of the majority. As well as the tyranny of ourselves. To protect us against ourselves. So in Federalist number 63, he says, um, it's Madison, I think. Such an institution may be sometimes necessary as a defense to the people against their own temporary errors and delusions. So there are particular moments in public affairs when the people, stimulated by some irregular passion or illicit advantage or misled by the artful misrepresentations of interested men, may call for measures which they themselves will afterwards be the most ready to lament and condemn. I'm trying not to laugh reading it, but he's telling us we need protection from ourselves because we're you know, hot-blooded idiots. Speaking of hot-blooded idiots, let's just think about it. Okay, if, if one believes that man is inherently good, as the liberal mantra does, whereas the conservative, the con- conservatarian understanding is, is that man is inherently, has the ability to do bad, right? So just, just a real quick semantic thing, that's actually not a, a libertarian value. That's a, oh. that's No, because the libertarians believe in... In autonomy, they want as much freedom as possible, and the conservatives are real concerned with too much freedom because of the beastly and savage nature of man. But go on. Okay, so let's let's think about it though the 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 tyranny of our passions, if you will. Okay, let's say your team wins the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. There are those that go out into the street because they won, and they start trash cans on fire. 
they uh, turn cars over. Oh, yeah. And that seems to be a pretty passionate but destructive uh, re- you know, uh, response to uh, an event. Mm-hmm. Because why? Passion. Because man's nature is savage and beastly, and we have unruly passions and appetites that necessitate restraint. And um, Edmund Burke has another great line about this, about how our passions, how self-control is not just, not just a, a wishful thought, but it's actually our own right, that we have this right to be restrained. And I'm going to, he's just so brilliant to me. I'm going to read it. It's a bit long, but it's really worth every word. Society requires not only that the passions of individuals should be subjected, but that even in the mass and body, as well as in the individuals, the inclinations of men should frequently be thwarted, their will controlled, and their passions brought into subjection. This can only be done by a power out of themselves, and not in the exercise of its function, subject to that will and to those passions which it is, a, uh, which is its office to bridle and subdue. In the sense the restraints on men as well as their liberties, are to be reckoned among their rights, that it is our right to be restrained from ourselves. Okay, so let's connect this then. Why is the Electoral College important uh, when we talk about Edmund Burke's quote that you just uh, gave us? Sure. So Burke had a real congruent philosophy with the uh, with Publius. If you read through the Federalist Papers and you read through Burke, you will see over and over again the same language, thoughts, and ideas. So the Electoral College is a restraint on our passions and appetites. We do not have a direct democracy. We have people that we have a representative to make the votes on our behalves. And the reason we do that is because man's nature is savage and beastly, and it necessitates restraints, for when the restraints on our savage and beastly you know, passions are removed, they run amok. Well, and so we are a constitutional republic. Yes, and ma'am. I will tell you, Stephen, I have been at uh, events where there are people, there are leaders, there are people that have been elected, that refer to us as a democracy instead of a constitutional republic, and I'm astonished. But I think a lot of folks out there do not realize that the founders put in this constitutional republic because there is the tyranny of of the mob. The tyranny, tyranny of the majority. Yes. So let me see. Um, I'm looking for this. Okay, so in Federalist Number 10, Madison says, The public good is disregarded in the conflicts of rival parties. And that measures are too often decided not according to the rules of justice and the rights of the minor party, but by the superior force of an interested and overbearing majority. So they're trying to protect, protect the minority, basically. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the thing with the Electoral College is it is put in place. Well, let's, you know what, let's talk about the two, um, the House of Representatives and the Senate. So the House of Representatives is basically elected on population, if you will, right? Yes. Okay, but the Senate is the Electoral College because they wanted a, you know, a, a, a check and balance on it, right? Sure. So if you look on a map, you'll see that the population of Los Angeles in Southern California is probably more than the populations of North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, and Kansas combined. Now, do you think that the people of Southern California should have the right to force their lifestyles on seven or eight states combined? I don't. And that's exactly what it is. So in Federalist number 51, Madison says, It is of great importance that a republic not only guard the society against the oppression of its rules, but to guard one part of the society against the injustices of the other part. 
If a majority be united by a common interest, the rights of the minority will be insecure. And so basically, if we get rid of the electoral college, certain parts of the country are just going to bully other parts. Well, and that's that's also part of federalism in as much as I think that states should be much more autonomous. Mm-hmm. So, so when you have a state like California or New York where they can then go to Washington and they can vote federal money to come back to their state. So you, you take money from all the people in, in these states, North Dakota, South Dakota, Kansas and all, and then you can transfer that over to California when California makes really poor financial decisions. I think that is another thing that is why uh, the Electoral College is so important is so that these little states still have a voice in what is going on. And so this movement to get rid of the Electoral College is very, very dangerous. So it's dangerous because it's suicide. Suicide as a social problem is referred to as a permanent solution to a short-term temporary problem. So I'm going to read a quote from President John Adams about why he doesn't like democracy. Remember, democracy never lasts long. It soon wastes, exhausts, and murders itself. There never was a democracy yet that did not commit suicide. It is in vain to say that democracy is less vain, less proud, less selfish, less ambitious, or less avaricious than aristocracy or monarchy. It is not true, in fact, and nowhere appears in history. Those passions are the same in all men, under all forms of government, and when unchecked, produces the same effects of fraud, violence, and cruelty. Individuals have conquered themselves. Nations and large bodies of men, never. Wow, this is the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Stephen Kessler is in studio with us as our guest. We're talking about the Electoral College. We're going to go to break. We'll be right back uh, because this is something that is very important for our country. Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich and Company help your business plan ahead financially. The AmeriChicks with Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich and Company as your financial business consultant. Predovich and Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. Dan Predovich and his team want to learn about the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich and Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich and Company. Call 303-791-3000 today. Welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. We are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. We're having conversations. Be sure and check out our website, americhicks.com. Sign up for our emails. We'll keep you apprised of all the upcoming guests, topics, important events. And we are the AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. I offer a, what I call, conservatarian perspective. In studio with us is Stephen Kessler. He has his doctorate in higher education from the University of Rochester. And uh, he has actually gone, I think, from liberal tendencies, if you will, to you have become a staunch conservative. Yeah. Exposure to the far left will do that to you. Yeah. How did that happen exactly? Oh, so um, I'm in graduate school for higher ed administration and an education school. And for those of you at home that don't know, our schools of education on college campuses are ground zero 
for far left, I mean far left indoctrination liberalism. And so I'm sitting there and they're blaming society for everything. And I'm thinking, yeah, it sounds plausible, meaning it has the appearance of truth, but you know, we got to be responsible for our own actions. Yeah, there are some people who have had bad breaks, but there's other people who just make bad choices. There's other people who are unlucky, things of that nature. Just It was a quick, simple fix. The other thing I really noticed, and every time I say this as honestly as possible, people laugh, and I don't mean for it to be a joke, but I found the people to be losers in life. They were unattractive. They were overweight. They had annoying personalities. They were not traditionally cool or attractive. They were unathletic looking. And what I came to understand is that all of that causes envy and that they were out to take things from people. And that's a big thing. And that's a big thing with equity. It's a big thing with liberal ideology that says I was born good, but I was corrupted by society. So why was I unpopular in high school? Was it because I was overweight, unattractive, annoying? Oh, no, 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 it wasn't me. It was society. And so they found this ideology that caters to their insecurities, and it says, hey, it's not you, it's them. That's probably pretty politically incorrect these days, Stephen Kessler. If you'd like to hear, <laughs> see more of the things uh, that Stephen has published, go to Vogelinview.com. That's Vogelinview.com, and that's V-O-E-G-E-L-I-N-View.com. Uh, we have been talking in the last segment about the Electoral College, and there is a, a real movement both nationally and it looks like here in Colorado to try to change the Electoral College. And the, the founders put the Electoral College in place because of the passions of men. They knew the tyranny of the majority, that, that the majority can become a mob and nothing good comes of a mob. But now we're seeing kind of this walk back of, uh, of the Electoral College by uh, progressivism by socialists. Explain that. Sure. So one of the main tenets of socialism, and I'm sorry, of progressivism, which was originally known as meliorism, M-E-L-I-O-R-I-A. It's the motto of the University of Rochester, my graduate alma mater. It means ever better. And it's this belief in progress of human nature, that we in the present are superior to previous generations. And because we're so far advanced, we're so superior, history you know, it, history, it's things, it's customs, traditions, mores, laws, all that stuff. That's old world fuddy-duddy stuff. And it's the dead weight of yesteryear. So real progress consists in the destruction of those old norms and in the creation of new ones in our image for a new modern man. So why do we, what is this electoral college, Kim? It, it's, you know, it's, it's 2020. Why do we need this thing? And so they want to get rid of it to accommodate new modern man. And you'll hear this argument a lot with the Second Amendment as well, that it was 1776. There's no way they understood guns in the future the way we have them today. It's this belief that all that is old is bad and should be distrusted, and we should create new in our own image. Okay, but you, in our conversations, you had mentioned that really the difference between conservative and liberalism is how we view man and yes and so i i mean i remember the the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other and progressivism socialism does not believe in that do they no they believe in the you know, the angel on this shoulder and society okay and society is the things that causes bad things not the human nature within us correct 
But Stephen, come on, if you really look at it, the passions of men aren't that different from one generation to another. And that's what the founders understood. Sure. And so the phrase is the permanent things. It was a phrase T.S. Eliot, the poet, playwright, and literary critic used in an essay he wrote called The Idea of a Christian Society. Uh, It was written in 1939. And just briefly on Eliot, for those of you listening at home, especially the Christians on this Christian radio station, Eliot was a staunch Christian and a devout conservative. I'm sorry, a devout conservative and a staunch Christian. And he wrote two essays. One was The Idea of a Christian Society, and the other is Notes Towards Definition of Culture. For those of you at home, it might be a good read. So Eliot had a phrase called the permanent things. Russell Kirk popularized it, but for Eliot, it was based on two things. Number one, the belief that human nature is constant. We in the present are no different than any previous generation. So therefore, because of that constancy, we've been able to establish norms, enduring standards. And those standards are based on not just the constancy of the human condition, but the fact that the human condition is tragic. And so if it happened in one generation, you know, 20, 50 generations ago, it can and will happen again today. And that's what George Santayana, the professor from Harvard, once said, once meant when he said that those who fail to learn their history are condemned to repeat it. We're doomed to repeat our history. It's not a blessing. We're not hopeful to recover it. And that these are the lessons of history that when the passions and appetites are removed from or uh, when the restraints on man's passions and appetites are removed, they run amok and will lead to our destruction. And that's the essence of the Electoral College. And so the Electoral College was put in place to temper man's passions. Exactly. Okay, so there's this big movement now in, uh, in America, it appears. Uh, we have people that have been elected to the House of Representatives that are avowed socialists, people that are elected to the Senate that are avowed socialists. And they talk about greed. They talk about that somebody, if they're successful, it's because they took from somebody else. But I submit to you that it's not money that is really that drives people. It's power. And then that's what you see with uh, socialism is there el- there's the elites with the power, and then there's all the unwashed masses. The swinish multitude, yeah. So why would, okay, just a question for you. So why would avowed progressives, uh, a, a avowed socialists, want to give the popular vote to the masses and get rid of the electoral college if they don't like the masses? So it's not the it's not the progressives in general. It's the specifics. It's the specific people in the power positions. So power is a pyramid of all shapes. It's not a circle or a square. And that while the majority of the people may be at the bottom, the people who believe the things that the people at the top are saying, only the people at the top are really benefiting. Okay, so that's where we see it's so tricky that uh, the messaging in our political campaigns. Now, in, in Colorado... We have people, people believe, I think they inherently believe that their right to vote is sacred. And then, yet then I think people all say it, it doesn't matter because those at the top mm-hmm. are manipulating the whole thing. But we need to get back to where people understand what they are voting on and the people that they are voting for. Uh, because as the, the big people, at, uh, you know, the, the people at the bottom of the, the pyramid are voting for the people at the top. Mm-hmm. 
many times these people at the top that they are are electing don't really give a flying rip about the people down there at the bottom of the pyramid. Sure, and that's once again what Thomas Sowell calls the vision of the anointed, that these people are at the top and they believe that they have some sort of special knowledge that the rest of us lack and we need to get out of their way. And they have a serious contempt for the common man. And the common man is someone that I believe the founders of America generally loved. They were, you know what, they were common people. Generally, they were farmers, they were merchants, they were people that were building things with their hands, and so they had a great affinity for the common man. And they said, hey, what would happen if we actually got government out of the way and let everyday common people go after their hopes and dreams? What do you think could happen? Well, what happened was this American idea. Stephen Kessler, we have just maybe about four minutes left. And so I want to ask you about something that I think that today, if we don't protect this, we are living in a cut flower society. We are living off of the, the, the roots of what has been planted before us. And if we don't take care of it, you know, it's pretty and, and it, it makes for a nice bouquet right now. But if we don't make sure that there's roots to those flowers, then there, there won't be flowers for the future. Sure. So the phrase is that we are dwarves standing on the shoulders of giants. And this is one major difference that the liberals and conservatives share. The conservatives believe that the dead, as well as the yet unborn, while not physically present, are nonetheless here with us always. And they have the same rights and considerations as others, as the living. And that... What we have to do is we have to look at ourselves, not as isolated, atomized individuals, but as trustees to an inheritance, that we have inherited this from the dead, and that as long as they're here with us, we will understand that the unborn will be here soon, too, and that when we no longer see the dead as here with us, the web of connectivity between generations unravels, and it shrinks to the present only. And then it becomes me, 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 now, now, now. It's like leaving your trash at a national park for the next guy to deal with it. And so we have to understand that we have been given an inheritance by those who have come before us, and we have, by those who have come before us, and we have a duty, stewardship, to pass it off to the next generation, posterity. You know, and there is a fullness in life for individuals that have this attitude, and there's a fullness in life for communities, and there's a fullness in life for a country. And as a millennial, we have about one minute. Do you see hope for America, or what do you think? I have a pretty grim view of human nature in general, so I think there's always hope, and I think there's always something to be hopeful for. And as long as I think the most important thing we can do is educate our youth to the conservative movement, the liberty movement, and explain to them all the things that Russell Kirk and Edmund Burke and T.S. Eliot have taught me. And if we can pass those values on to a lot more people and a larger audience, I think we can be fine. Well, you give me hope because you have your your doctorate from the University of Rochester in higher education, and you are out there writing and thinking and uh, really working to affect this, uh, this important American idea narrative. So what's our quote for today, Stephen Kessler? Sure. So it comes from Edmund Burke, written in 1791, a letter to a member of the National Assembly. He was chewing out Rousseau in this. And he said, men are qualified for civil liberty in exact proportion to their dispositions to put moral change chains upon their own appetites. Society cannot exist unless a controlling power upon will and appetite be placed somewhere. The less of it there is within, the more of it there must be without. 
It is ordained in the eternal constitution of things that men of intemperate minds cannot be free. Their passions forge their fetters. Wow. Stephen Kessler, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, This is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. Now it's 2019. Read great books. Think good thoughts. Listen to beautiful music. Communicate and listen well. Live honestly and authentically and strive for high ideals. And like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. God bless you and God bless America. America.